Welcome to The Open Door with Kelly and Kelly. Brought to you by Legendary Living Arts and Waking Way Productions. Join us each week for guest interviews and discussions on a variety of topics. We invite you to connect. All right, so today on podcast, this little discussion table, we are going to talk about the concept of not knowing with regards to how that relates to when we're in a new space, mentally, emotionally, information-wise, where not knowing is an indication, like when your mind gets stunned by, by a new piece of information and you do not know or you know what's going on or how that actually relates or how it makes you feel or you are stepping out of an old space, like an old job, moving into a new job, relationship, friendship, even moving, moving house, moving, you know, from a house to apartment, apartment to a house, moving from, you know, space to space, how you do not know what your new reality is going to be like after uh, contact with this new information. And right. It doesn't even have to be something physical, nope. I think, either, like a physical move or a physical. Nope. It's also when I was listening to you talk, I was thinking that when you challenge a belief that you have, like yep. even just a belief or yep. an emotion that you have about something, when you challenge that and you see something from a very different perspective and you realize that you can believe something else than what you've believed for a while, whether it's about yourself or about something else. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, an adjustment period. Yep. Yep. Because then how do you create your new reality from that space when you've been operating from a different and, way? And, and when, when we've been holding on to a limited or a rigid perception of reality and it suddenly changes, there's generally a lot of confusion mm-hmm. because we're recalibrating our perception of reality to enter into that new space, to fit that new space, that new understanding, that new information, that the new awareness and there's a lot of misunderstanding about how uh, because not knowing an answer to something is actually a good space to be in a lot of people tend to fixate on not knowing as being their whole mode of operation well i don't know so i'm i'm great or like you know it's it's best to not know so i'm not going to know i'm not going to try and have an answer and that's an emotional cop-out that is basically not understanding not wanting to understand and not pushing yourself to understand what's beyond the not knowing and what's beyond the confusion because a lot of times when our minds get confused especially our egos and our shadows and our our shadow defense mechanisms come into play to keep us unstable and without solid ground beneath our feet they like to hijack that whole space of not knowing and keep us in a state of confusion and getting us used to being confused so that we fall back and just accept that we don't know and accept that we do not have any actual power over our ability to create and our ability to be present and our ability to know. Well, and our ability to make a choice. Exactly. And I think I've witnessed that with people too that say, oh, I'm just going to follow the feeling or follow whatever. And you can do that to some extent, but then sometimes when you actually cannot feel a path, I know for myself when I've pushed myself through things and I've pushed and I've spent my life pushing because... You know, we're told to hustle and grind and work really hard and we're going to get somewhere. And when you actually stop that belief that you don't have to stress yourself out to get somewhere in life, you have to replace that with with the belief. And it takes time to integrate yep. that. Yes. And then how do yep. you act from that new space without... And I know for me, there's been a few times <laughs> in our friendship relationship that... You know, I've kind of freaked out because the way that I would make decisions, I could no longer make decisions from that place. Old, old space, yeah. Because it was like, I would literally be like, oh, I want to push and I, oh, and there's, there's, and there's like, nothing. I can't do it because yep. there's yep. no traction to do that. And then it's like, well, how do I, you know, the not knowing is like, well, how do I make decisions from this new space? And you really need to give yourself time. Yes. 
to yep. integrate that. Exactly. And that's that's one of the big pitfalls or one of the big um, tricks that the ego plays on us or our shadow and our emotional defense mechanism plays because it takes time and our, our, our ego and our shadow and our defense mechanisms are so linear. They want to keep us on a linear track. They want, to get, they want us to control our lives through a linear progression down a straight line, down a narrow path, get that white picket fence and all the, all the amenities. And there are amenities. There are amenities. <laughs> oh my God! Chips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one because because it takes time to progress through a new state into a new state, and to let yourself feel and adapt and acclimatize to a new emotional state or a mental awareness level of, level of personal awareness. We and we're so used to operating in a certain way, we can get really impatient and really bored with the process and kind of give up and not accept that things are actually moving because it doesn't feel like the old way of moving right yeah. and because the old we're so used to the old way of moving through stuff we give up on the new space and we just fall back on oh well i don't know i'm confused and i don't want to i don't want to work so hard mentally or emotionally to let myself feel this new space so I'm just going to say, I don't know, and that's the space that I'm in, and I'm okay with not knowing and not moving as a result. So it's, it's the misconception and the misunderstanding of actual movement where people fall back on the safety of not knowing and using not knowing as a safety blanket so they do not actually have to be emotionally responsible or... Like for the new space, they do not have to actually step into the new space, even the door, even though the yeah. door is wide open right in front of them, and it also keeps them from being emotionally responsible with themselves and letting and feeling what's actually going on right in front of them. Because you have to be vigilant, because very, when you're in that very... space of not knowing, it's okay to be there. Oh yeah. But our egos are like, this is not okay because I used to know that this is the direction I wanted to go, yep. and now I'm not so sure. And you know, that's when that's I think the point when you're talking about giving up that you can yep. go, oh yep. well, I don't know, so never mind. I'm not doing anything. I'm not even gonna plan anything. I'm not gonna create anything. I'm not gonna. Yes. And then, but you still have to keep. If there are things that you really want to do in your life. And understanding why you want to do something and letting go of how, I think, is important, yes, exactly. right? Because yep. you might not know how to get there. And we can get so focused on how, 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 how. And that's how our ego hooks us back into old emotional patterns mm -hmm. and old emotional ways of, of thinking or mm -hmm. being. Mm -hmm. And instead of going, why? Why do I want this particular thing for my life? Why do I want this? And... You know, I know there's a lot, there is a lot these days where people go, focus on your why. I mean, how many, yeah. you know, how many people actually really, really understand their but, why? Yeah. But yeah. the why it's not, it is important to focus on because it, I think for me, I was always focused on the how I needed to know how, yep. Yep. how I was going to get there, how I was going to, and the not knowing space was really and, and the difficult how, and, and the how tends to be external. Because yes. in three D reality in our, norm, in our normal yeah. normal lives, understanding the how is all about how to build in the external world, mm -hmm. and this is one of the reasons why people have such a hard time with the why, and actually letting themselves feel their why, and not the oh well you know to be you know socially acceptable and to be loved by society I need like you know a wife and kids and family and stuff like that that's my why it's like no that's not your why that's that's a social parameter. That's a cultural conditioning why. Yeah, like to ask yourself if you want to be married. Like, mm -hmm. like let's take marriage, for example, yep. for relationships, right? When you want to be married or you want to, do you ever, do people ever stop and ask themselves why? Because mm -hmm. I know yeah. having kids, we've got Ethan here with us today. You want to say hi? Hello. <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll join in. Uh, and, but I've seen a lot of people who, who don't really understand why they want to get married and have kids yep. 
And they just sort of follow this. Well, I guess I've been in this relationship for this amount of years. So I guess the next step is to get get married. married, And then the next step is to have children. And I've actually spoken to people that were like, you know, I never really did want to get married. And I never did. You know, I wasn't sure about Mm -hmm. having a family. But you did all those things. But did you ever ask yourself why? Why did you want to do those? Was it external pressures that were making, you know, contributing to that factor? Or did you not want to be alone? Like, I think we just are not comfortable asking ourselves those uncomfortable questions, right? Because yeah. if we start asking ourselves those questions, we well, really it, have to go, oh, maybe I don't know why. <laughs> well, and, and especially any question that goes against um, mainstream societal values or mainstream perceptions of how a person should live their lives. And that's one of the main ways that people get stuck in lives they don't love lives you know living a a life just to get by just to be accepted by society just to be you know culturally acceptable and that is a huge 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 thing for the majority of the planet and the majority of people and the the other thing too is like understanding you know the why and you know not knowing our why and how people will rebel against what they believe is the thing to rebel against as a normal life normal society you know getting married and having kids and they'll rebel against that and they'll go all like punk or goth or emo or like whatever to express themselves which is fine but one of the things that they're doing is they're only rebelling against the external reality they are only offering uh uh something contrary to the way things are look supposed to look externally Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not, I'm not getting married. I'm not getting this job. I'm not going to school. I'm going to drop out. I'm not going to be successful because everybody else in my family is successful. I'm not going to be a lawyer because everyone else in my family is a lawyer, etc., etc. But what all they're doing is they are just rebelling against the external reality. They haven't gone inside and understood their why. They haven't understood their confusion. They haven't understood their not knowing. Yeah, or even question it. Or even questioned it. Question yeah. your why you why do you want to rebel against yeah. those things? What is it that you're really rebelling against? Because we don't look at our we often look out at our external reality, mm-hmm. but we're not looking in at our internal reality. Like what's going on inside our head yeah. when we're triggered or emotions exactly. or how we feel yeah. about things. Yeah. Like what is our internal like what's going on inside and that's a, that's a true act of rebelliousness for real mm-hmm. because actually becoming emotionally aware emotionally conscious and responsible is far more rebellious and will change your life far more rapidly and profoundly than anything else because that is the ultimate rebellion is to not be a part of the emotional programming that society this limited version of society limited version of love, limited version of life, limited version of freedom is all based on. When you go, you can go inside and you can rebel by being emotionally mature and responsible and emotionally grounded and go to what, you know, go to a job that most people consider to be totally dead end, except it pays your bills. It gives you a certain amount of freedom that allows you to be in your own space and actually have a healthy life. So it doesn't really matter what job you're doing or, you know, family life or, or whatever, if you're not being emotionally responsible and rebelling against the emotional conditioning of a society and a culture that believes we should all be quiet and, and not be emotionally responsible, not, not use critical thinking, mm. right? Not actually examine yeah. everything from all angles, not... You know, not question why we're being triggered about something and why not question why we're being triggered and angry or overly emotional or overly violently aggressive verbally in the direction of people like in social media and what's going on nowadays. You're you're just following your your programming. The you know, the way sheep follow a herder. It's the same thing. Your emotional programming is your shepherd. If you're not breaking away, if you're not questioning the whole concept of being part of a group or being part of a specific level of emotional conditioning you're you're not rebelling against anything 
I mean, so you, you change your life externally. So you go off and, and live in, you know, a different part of the world. If you're not dealing with your um, emotional content, if you're not dealing with being emotionally present and physically connected to your body, then you're not really rebelling against anything and you're not really doing anything original or new. I think sometimes we find it easier to change our external circumstances, oh, yeah. yep. right? Like move to a new place, get a new job. It's a little harder to, it's not that you can't do those things, nope. but to understand why you yep. need to do those things, yep. like why you maybe need to end that relationship. Because if you don't examine those things, you just, it doesn't matter where you move or what you do, you'll recreate those things in a different way. The recreate the things that are not healthy for you mm -hmm. sometimes. If you don't examine why you're doing this particular yeah. thing. Because yeah. you can change anything you want. You can change even your external appearance, your hair, your makeup, yep. your clothing. But it doesn't change yep. what's going on inside if you're not going to ask yourself tough questions yeah. about why you believe that. The reality of, of questioning your why and questioning... Even when you don't know something, don't know the answer, like you start talking off, you start off mm, talking about right. not knowing, right? And not knowing is a space of confusion when you're when your ego is suddenly broken of a pattern. And this speaks directly to our why, because when we break an ego pattern, our why changes. And people who get stuck or yeah. fixated on, oh well, I don't know, and it and it's blissful not knowing and stuff like that are emotionally copying out and not wanting to look beyond why they're fixated on not knowing why they're why they're using it almost as like their shield against the world it's like oh well this is you know just because like someone else says that that's like an important space and that's like you know the the, the doorway to like do you do, when you buy a house do you just stand in the doorway or on the porch do you live on the porch no you got to go inside and you got to unpack everything so you gotta yeah. unpack and, and you know unpack the kitchen so you can live and eat in the kitchen and feed yourself properly. That's like where your information comes in, is where it, when you actually begin to unpack all your boxes that you haven't looked in. And I'm looking all the notes. It's like, well, what's in what's in the boxes? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm uh, fine not knowing. It's like, are you fine sleeping on the on the rock hard floor? Are you fine sleeping on? You know the, the 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 carpet. You know, are you are you fine not having clothes to wear? Right. This is like people who want to use. It's like in in Zen Buddhism, where where everyone uses the void as the ultimate goal, when they don't understand that the void is a hiccup in the reality of looking at oneself. Because Zen is basically about pointing directly at the mind and observing the mind. And when you get to the void, it's that same space of confusion. The void is the information about the confusion. The void is the information about not knowing and what's inside you and reflected by that not knowing, that space of not having any intellectual, mental, fear-based ego information present is the void. And people do not understand that it's just part of the process it's a small part of the process because it's about stepping across that threshold and understanding the information in the void of understanding not understanding and there's a ton of information inside not understanding and it's not about just letting yourself feel it and be all happy not not knowing it's about appreciating the fact that there is this different information this different level of information like the brand new house that you suddenly need to step into instead of standing on the threshold with the open door with boxes in your in your arms trying to decide whether or not you want to go inside or not and most people never step over that threshold most people never ever question what they're feeling never never challenge themselves with feeling beyond the not knowing and the confusion because the confusion is absolutely terrifying at first because when we don't know something, when we're so used to yeah. being able to organize our lives, being able to have a very structured existence, like going to school, going to work, you know, having a relationship, having a job, blah, blah, blah. We're so used to those routines that when things change, we do not understand how to look beyond the just the simple feeling of dealing with the new space and the new change. We don't know. We, we, we don't know. 
and it's not a space that you want to like stay in it's moving forward and yeah okay you don't know but you still got to go and do stuff you still got to unpack all the boxes and fill your house with who you are because you've got a brand new house and that's the whole point it's like you want to step into that new house you want to step across that threshold and you know I want to stay there and that's the thing that I understand from all my experience with all of the 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 practitioners of Zen Buddhism is like they're all fixated on, on getting to the void and when I really began to understand and experience the void traditionally through sitting meditation it was it wasn't scary like it wasn't to me it wasn't scary but that's me uh, having almost died several times from asthma as a kid mm-hmm. it's just like the, the unknown is just sort of like oh yeah okay cool so I didn't really understand what I was understanding when I was when I was younger mm-hmm. and now now my perspective and looking back I'm going oh geez okay you know un- unraveling and unpacking that that knowing that I've actually been carrying for such a long time it's just like okay like and that's the thing like I did not understand that I was carrying this knowing this understanding and and now I do and it's just like oh right and you know not looking at the fact that I do know not looking at the fact that I do understand that I can feel the difference that I can feel the information that's one of the things that the confusion is how that's used by our ego to keep us from actually looking at the information that we've discovered when you hit the void our our hearts our bodies our, our our souls whatever aspect of ourselves you want to call it knows that there's information on the other side knows that that's you knows that like it recognizes it that's why like when we get to the void it's such a huge thing at first because our ego has nothing our shadow has nothing our reptilian energy our reptilian brain defense mechanisms have nothing to defend against this this deep space of not knowing and it takes courage to cross that at first because it is so contrary to everything that's caused us to feel safe. Everything that causes us to feel safe is not present. So we do not feel safe, but we have to trust because there's, then this is where learning to feel the body is so important because your body will always know your body will always feel deeper than your mind. It will always know more than your heart because your body knows first before the energy and the information gets integrated into your heart. So that's why understanding that you have to question not knowing or being confused about something and trust. And trust is a huge thing. Trust, being able to trust ourselves is a huge, huge, huge thing. And it's not a common, normal, you know, community supported endeavor, <laughs> if, you, if you will. It's not like there's a GoFundMe page for it. Well, trust is in, an interesting thing in and of itself because sometimes we... We like to put a trust in the plan. Yeah. <laughs> that we have a plan for our life and we yep. put a trust in that. And anybody who's gone through something major, a life, you know, maybe it was an accident or an illness or something that derailed you from your life plan, you know, those people really had a crash course in, holy crap, I could plan all I want, but this thing happened that I had really no control over. But the only control I have now is what do I do now? Right. And how do I think and how do I feel about this? And I think that we trust sometimes in, I wouldn't say they're the wrong things. We trust, but you can get so fixated in trusting on a certain plan that it's going to go the way you want it to. And then we can feel devastated when it doesn't happen. And I think if you learn how to adjust as you go and go, okay, this is my plan, but there's a lot of things that I don't know that might be coming. And I need to go with that. Well, and we want to feel safe. Right? Well, and feeling safe. Yeah, we want to feel safe. I know for me, somebody who has dealt with a lot of anxiety and and fear, having a plan and going, this makes me feel safe. This makes me feel safe. And the more I've let go of anxiety and I've healed not only my mind, but my physical body of a lot of that anxiety, sometimes the anxiety will come up because I... I do not know how to live in a space with no Mm -hmm. anxiety. Mm -hmm. So my brain will be like, are we really sure about this? (laughs) Are you sure you can be this relaxed in your life? (laughs) Are you sure you can be this Being relaxed isn't normal. Oh, my God. Yeah, because it was not my normal. I mean, I am, I will be 48 this year. And so when I think about... I'm not even sure when oh, yeah, right. I, right. anxiety, right? Well, that's a long time. That's a really long time See, to live in this place of anxiousness and planning and knowing what's going to happen. 
and you can plan to some degree. I yep. mean, there's certain things, but then there are also things where you can have a plan, and then your timeline will all of a sudden be like, oh no, now now it's time to move. Yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this right Sorry. now. And it's like, what? But I wanted to wait like another year. And it's like, nope, time to do right now. And you gotta learn how to go with that. And that can make you feel anxious because that wasn't that wasn't my plan. But the universe has a bigger plan. Mm-hmm. And I think it's when you're talking about trust or having faith, that's just something that I didn't I feel like I didn't have a lot of like in um in an energetic in a, in a, sense. Or a big, big picture way. In a way. big picture yeah. way or you know, I'm I'm good. Although I am good with long term planning mm-hmm. with a lot of things, and there's things that I can I can stick with and yep. I can do that. But I think energetically, there's just this way where I was always anxious, like, oh, okay, it's got to be this way. And when things would deviate, I'd be like, oh my god. And then learning how to move out of that space and is really great because there's this whole other world of enjoyment in what I do. Oh. And you know, but every once in a while, like even this morning, I guess I still got to, you know, I woke up and I was like, oh, I could feel the anxiousness, like mm-hmm. sort of trying to tense my tissues. Yeah. Get, get your my body, body tense. Get yeah. my body tense. In, and going, in that flight and flight response. Yeah. Yeah. See, for, for, for me, one of the things that I, that I, that I am beginning to actually sort of understand about myself is how uh, the, the two major influences in my emotional life were you know very personal almost dying of asthma all the time having a lot of out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences as a result and having to be okay with not knowing literally what each day was going to be like whether or not i was going to have an asthma attack and like end up in the hospital or dead even and and the other is um my two fingertips on, on my right hand growing up with like 14 years like since since i, I lost my fingertips uh uh on my first two, my index and my middle finger on my right hand, literally daily chronic pain, crack, cracking and, and bleeding until I was about 14 or 15 is when they finally stopped cracking and bleeding every day or, or on, a, on such a regular basis. And I might have been maybe like a couple of years earlier that they didn't bleed every day, but just having like every day for like the first, you know, like they didn't, they they didn't really stop hurting. Um, as I tapped them on, you bang them on the bang table. them on the table. Your iron palm training is good for something, right? Um, but they didn't really stop hurting until I was in my twenties. And like with with the like it was literally like the way that when they crack and they bleed, it's literally like someone's holding like a lighter to them, like just like they're on fire a bit. Like they're on fire, yeah. So. You know, having to deal with that and be in like conscious physical pain for such a long time, my entire childhood, and like you know, having to deal with that on such a regular basis. You know, I made friends with pain at a really young age, discomfort at a really young age. So my my ability to like relax and not let discomfort like affect me or like having more control over myself when I get uncomfortable having more more presence or more ability to control myself when I get uncomfortable mm. really I mean and then you know add on that it's like not being afraid of you know like having to just basically like like give up being afraid of death because <laughs> like the number of times where in the middle of the night I'd wake up in a hospital and you know not know how I got there and realize it's like you know a couple of times when the nurses were above me with the with the, the defibrillator I was just going oh wow that was a close this one. This is where I am. It was like, wow, you know. See, I think as we're talking more about this, for me, yeah, I've kind of made myself anxious for on both sides of the coin, if mm-hmm. you want to look at it that way. Because there was a point when I was 12 where I knew something. I mm-hmm. knew that I was going to get seriously hurt. Mm-hmm. I'd had mm-hmm. a vision yep. of it. I'd yep. seen it. Yep. You know, and it. I'd had little visions before, and I knew that I was going to be hurt. And that knowing made me very fearful because mm. I, as a young 12-year-old, I didn't know how to control what was going on or how to tell anyone what I saw yeah, yeah, so yeah. that people, I didn't know how to get people to believe me 
And then I, you know, miraculously manifested an illness, which then wiped out the entire save me situation. And then ever since then, I've sort of cut myself off from any kind of knowing. So my knowing or my anxiousness then was like, well, I don't want to know. So I don't want to know. So I am going to just plan everything and I'm going to try to control everything. But that just, you know, doesn't really deal with the anxiety. And I think, I think maybe there's people are like, well, I don't want to know because we're equally afraid of knowing and not knowing at the same time. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's not really one or the other. It's like we, we want to know because it'll make us feel better. But then also we don't want to know in case it's something that we might not want. Right. Yeah. 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 Because there are things in life that happen where we're like, well, we wouldn't have maybe chosen this situation to happen to us. And yet here it is. And we have to deal with it. Yeah. So there's both, yeah, right? right? Like, like, so I know for me, it's a, it was a double-edged sword because it's like, I don't want to know. So I shut that part off, shut it down, shut myself down, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. lived with all that anxiety of like not knowing, like, oh my God, I'm so afraid of not knowing. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I'm actually afraid of knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that's, and that's sort of like one of the things like for me is just like I didn't have, like as a kid and with my asthma attacks, it's like, I did not have, like, to me, that's actually almost a luxury because, <laughs> like, with, you know, the constant threat of my throat closing up and having an uh, asthma attack and, and you know, dying, um, you know, I could feel when it was really, really bad. And there were a couple of times I remember, like, like especially in winter, I would I would mm, wear, like, a yeah. balaclava and a, and a scarf around my face to keep my breath warm, to keep everything warm, right? Yeah, because that cold air would really... Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it was... Yeah, the cold-induced asthma attacks were awful. And having to learn... Like, I, I can remember specifically, like, just, like, you know, a couple times falling to my knees on, on the playground and, and, like, my friend Wade or, or Kevin just like, are you okay? Are you okay? It's just like, yeah, yeah, no, just, like, you know, trying to get words out. <laughs> it's just like, no, it's like, you know... Um, and, and breathing through it and breathing through it and just relaxing and I'd even cover my like my mm-hmm. balaclava and my my uh, scarf covered mouth with my hands to keep to warm the air up to keep the air even warmer to help you know my throat warm up faster and you know having a, you know even having a couple close calls on when I was a kid on the playground was, it was scary enough but as I you know, but as a kid wanting to play with my friends and feeling that feeling of my throat being like, like triggered my, yeah. my, my cold induced asthma yeah, wanting to happen yeah. and, and pushing myself through it and just, you know, continuing to play, even though I, I know I could literally drop at any second. Mm. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I was You're a little. You're stubborn bugger. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah, I'm a stubborn. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. Dude. I'm having too much fun. It's like, no, I might die, but. Oh, I will die. I will die playing. Literally, I will die happy. Literally the definition of die trying. And you know, that was, that was actually kind of the choice. It's like, okay, you know, I'm just having to accept that I, it's like, I wanted to have fun with my friends and, ha- and that outweighed my fear. And that outweighed my fear, right? And, you know, every once in a while, I'd have to stop and, you know, not do anything and stand, like, perfectly still to let, force myself to continue breathing. And, like, the, the, the how much my throat hurt and how much my lungs hurt. Like, it's literally, like, feeling like you're being stabbed. And, I mean, I've only been stabbed by, like, nails in the yard and stuff like that. Out in the, you know. But yeah, like the like you know when you cut yourself when you're cutting vegetables or something like that, that burning sensation. Mm-hmm. But like all over your lungs and chest and throat, and you know, yeah, you know, I guess like having having that choice, <laughs> sort of like. Well, you chose it. Like that, yeah. that's the interesting thing. As I'm listening to you, that's the very at such a young age, like you, you chose that. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people maybe would choose, oh. I gotta go sit down. I gotta go take my inhaler. I mean, I yep. don't even know. Did you have inhalers never, back in the day? Never. I my my mom and dad. We're from the I, generation I where there wasn't such a thing. I know. Well, but, that was the thing. Like my mom and dad, mm-hmm. you know, asked me if I wanted to get one. I was like, nope. Even even when I was like fourteen and it got really 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 bad. I think that was like grade eight. Uh, one summer I wanted to do track and field and I just couldn't. And then I I pushed myself. I pushed myself doing um, an 1100 meter like 
um, marathon. Like, you know, I could like walk or whatever. And it was a requirement of like, you could do like an 1100 or 1500 or an 1800. And it was a requirement for gym. So I did the 1100. Yeah. But it was just nice. like the sustained, you know, and my, my teacher at the time, my gym teacher at the time was not very nice and she forced us to run. And if we slowed down, like she would like come by and like yell and scream at us. And after, I remember after that, like my asthma was really, really, really bad. We're literally for like two days afterwards, even just getting up out of a chair, Mm -hmm. the compression of my lungs, like caused me to almost have an asthma attack. That's a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of stress. I mean, now, now I look back and I understand how the, the stress and tension that I was around, you know, just growing up around everyone that I was, you know, and, you know, the family tension and stuff like that really added to the tension in my body and added to the uh, effects of my, my asthma being so intense, uh, you know, especially after learning Qigong and literally rewiring my body and, and for, and pushing that program, that physical program of tension out of my body doing Qigong. And there were a couple of times where I had asthma attacks doing Qigong and I was just like, you know it was like going out and playing with my friends I didn't want to give up because I could feel it making me uh, uh, be healthier and stronger but it was you know the first couple of times where I wasn't doing anything technically strenuous but I had asthma attacks just doing qigong you know it was just like I'm doing something so gentle and my body's freaking out what is going on which caused me to evaluate and look inside as to like the why of the tension in my body that was causing these asthma attacks and what was triggering and I go back through my thoughts and I realize oh I was thinking about like you know you know I'm worried about doing this piece of homework or mm-hmm. you know talking to this friend about something that like really meant a lot to me and you know being emotionally uncomfortable about like sharing with my friend about it and not knowing what was going to happen and then I'd have an asthma attack and I'm like oh 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 okay so this is this is a huge mental game this is like you know, and you know, being being where we are, living where we are, where winter is so such a you know cold weather. Growing up, it was like winter was just, you know a lot more serious about being winter than it is now. And realizing that the cold induced asthma had gotten me into a space of believing it was all physical, right? That I could push through it physically, mm, right? And then when I began to do qigong and I began to learn and listen to my body and realize I I was triggering myself at home in my room, nice warm room, no no cold, no nothing, and just the tension of certain thoughts yeah. were triggering me and causing me to have like really bad asthma attacks. Like yeah. you know, it even happened when I started uh, uh, meditating when mm-hmm. you was doing practicing Zen meditation and sitting. And I would have a thought or that would trigger a lot of emotion and suddenly I'd have an asthma attack and I'd be like, you know, trying to get out of full lotus and, and hacking and I'd just like fall over and just like hack out a lung on, on the floor, you know, and it, it, again, it triggered that whole, you know, I thought I was getting better. I thought I was, you know, this, that and the other thing and caused me to, you know, accept a deeper aspect of, of not knowing what's going to happen. Because like with the Qigong and the meditation, I thought I was getting better and I thought I was gaining control over my body, control over, you know, my thoughts and the tension and everything like that. And then realizing that I was actually triggering myself with, with thoughts and feelings and not letting them move through me. Not like, you know, that whole, like, don't attach to something, don't fixate on something. And how I realized, like, when I did actually fixate on something, you know, mentally and emotionally at the same time, I would have an asthma attack. Mm. So the not knowing, you know, became a much deeper self-evaluation and self-reflection process. And I had to, you know, realize that I didn't know when I was actually going to be better. And I had to, like, accept that. But I knew... Or, Or if... Or if, right? that's right. That's Ex- another thing. Exactly. You, I had no you idea. You wouldn't know if you, you didn't know if you would actually heal your lungs. Like you had to accept that this is something that you had. Yep. And maybe you'd have to find a way to deal with it. Exactly. Forever. Yep. And that's something, <clears throat> maybe some of the anxiety stuff that I have, like it's something I am going to have to watch for a long time, but I do have let it go so much. Like in the past year, 
Yep. Especially because I mean, this is something I've been working on for a long time. This isn't just like you know, it's yep. a process yep. that of relaxation and letting go of things that cause me anxiousness, or to even look at the beliefs that I have that were causing me to feel anxious. Yeah, and then yeah. going through the anxiety of letting go of that belief because oh my gosh, I've been believing that for so long. What do I replace it with? And well, you don't you know try not to replace it with anything. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. the fact that let that go. It doesn't need to be replaced with something that you else you could fixate on. Exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> you yeah, you create that space right. and suddenly like your 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 mind your wants ego, to fill well, it. Oh, we gotta fill it with something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we <laughs> can't have like, this empty space. We got yeah. we gotta like so we gotta keep our our, our momentum going, our control going. Yep. But there is a deeper when I experienced during the meditation a deeper aspect of how much. Uh, how do I explain this? How my body was still holding tension and that it was holding tension in like every between every cell of my body and how you could actually relax all of that and I could feel how my mind my ego was well if you relax too much you're gonna fall apart and and hearing that thought and going really so it's like I have this belief on a physical level not even that I would think it yep allowed or even had ever thought it before but when I actually asked my body it was like there's this belief in my body that if I don't hold this tension I'm going to fall apart which is absolute nonsense yes it is however that's so I've practiced every day going into that space of relaxation on almost a cellular level trying Mm -hmm. to get that far I know that sounds maybe dramatic to people, but how do you get into yourself? But it's like, but really, know. like actually feeling, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. like like going, focusing on your pinky toe and going, oh, is there any tension there? Yep. You yep. know, because there was one day where I was talking to people and I could feel my hip, in my one my left hip, it wanted to uh, spasm. I could feel that physically. It wanted to be tense, and I literally laid there and just breathed and like forced it to relax i know forced it to relax that does that's no, no, kind of an no, no, oxymoron no, 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 but <laughs> no 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 that, that's that's a legitimate thing because that's yeah. like i because remember it's when, like, you, no, when you told me no you don't need to be tense yeah but i could feel that space where it wanted to like clench and it's like i don't need to do that i need i need it to relax so that everything can settle that, that's a really really important point because i remember when you told me about that where you forced your hip to relax and the way you describe it, I went, that's exactly what I used to do when I had my asthma attacks. Yeah. When, when, I, when you, I was younger, yeah. where I literally forced myself to relax. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the irony, the, the big thing that people do not understand is that you, you actually have to force yourself to relax. <laughs> because you have to build up a counterbalance to the tension in your mind yeah. that is impacting your body, that is creating the tension. You have to create uh, opposing force to counterbalance that tension in the programming. Mm-hmm. You have to create a counter script mm-hmm. and a counter force emotionally and mentally of holding space and holding a different perception of reality in your awareness, not just like in your mind or mind's eye or whatever, but in your feeling awareness, in your mental awareness, in your whole physical body awareness to have that f- counterbalance, to have to basically counter the f- force that is already exerted upon you mm-hmm. through your mental programming through your fear programming yeah uh because yeah like the way you described it is yeah, exactly I just, I just breathed and i was like just breathe yep. and just like yep. picture that spot just opening and relaxing and i do that i do that on a daily basis now because i know that that space of relaxa- relaxation exists yep Whereas I didn't even realize it didn't exist first. No. And then I had to realize how tense I was everywhere. And then then you can say, oh, there's another space that I can exist in. Mm-hmm. Yep. In my physical body that I can relax this. I don't mm-hmm. have to have tense muscles. I don't have to carry, you know, emotional burdens or things or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's like exactly. you can actually exactly. physically well, really yeah. relax and release and it's all connected. It's it's one of the things that I that I understood like I didn't realize it at the time when I when I was drawing or, or painting when I was a kid or when I was writing but it's exactly sort of like the same space of focus where I mean especially if you're writing or, or drawing you don't want to be too tense you're gonna break your pencil or you're you're gonna like you know especially with painting if you're too tense you're gonna 
you're just going to mess up the brush strokes and, and the amount of paint and the texture of the paint and everything. So you got to be focused, but you also got to be relaxed, which is why painting and, and stuff like calligraphy is just like, you know, martial arts. You got to be focused, but relaxed. But I, like, you know, what's coming to mind is like a, a memory of like getting off the, the swings in winter in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the schoolyard and having exerted myself and it was like really really cold day and I was having a lot of fun but when I got off the swings and got back on my own two feet I was actually really dizzy hmm. and I was like and because it was so cold and I was taking like really deep breaths I triggered an as you know a cold induced asthma attack and I had to like drop down on my knees and just sort of like warm up the air in my in my mouth and throat and stuff like that and just breathe through it and just force my, my body not to tense up and and how you know it was, it was sort of you know a two-edged sword because one of the things that happened as a result is a I learned how to relax myself but my ego also took control of that it kind of sneakily hijacked that skill into me being able to believe that I could control my reactions and not be triggered and not have anything emotional or, or mental issues come up like when I was meditating or when I was training or something like that. So one of the, this is one of the reasons why learning how to listen to the body is really, really important because as I grew older, I began to understand that my, I had a lot of tension in my mind. I had a lot of control over my body, but I had a lot of tension in my mind and I had to give up certain habitual patterns. Like I stopped meditating, I stopped sitting and meditating. And I stopped doing more physical stuff and using the physical activation and engagement of my body to circumvent the control patterns that my ego had been using to hijack my ability to relax mm. and to hide that ability to relax. So, it, you know, the influence of certain people in my life and not feeling like I had space or, or that I, you know... Um, understood what I was feeling because I was being so bombarded by other people's drama and other people's projections and not really understanding that until you know years later mm -hmm. and you know now sort of unraveling some uh, a lot more of that to a much deeper aspect and realizing again with that that deeper understanding that deeper knowing that the 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 not knowing is is a very fragile space and this is one of the things like it's a very vulnerable space because you have all of this new space and it's brand new it's the beginning of something brand new mm -hmm. which is you know at the beginning of something brand new it's always very fragile because we don't know we don't know because what's gonna we happen don't know. yeah we don't know what's gonna happen and we it, it, yeah, it's new. It's new, right? It's brand new. It's a brand and, new way of experiencing your world. Mm -hmm. So when I when I began to unpack and unravel all of the uh, mental control that I had over my body and began to listen, like you know, like twenty years ago, twenty plus years ago, begin to understand how to listen to my body for real, uh, it was a much different and brand new threshold of knowing and feeling where when you get into that new space of not knowing and the reason why it's so important to be okay with not knowing is because that is what allows a new information of knowing to come forward if you immediately try and fill that new space if you let your ego hijack that new space and make it about something external or somebody or you know a feeling even and you fixate on a feeling or an emotional feeling an emotional issue then you're not holding your space against your own self and this is something that's really really important to understand is like people let themselves get hijacked all the time and until I understood this I you know that was what would happen to me is I get to a new space and I'll be and I'm making about something or, or you know or trigger me and I get angry about something completely different and not pay attention and yeah. not hold my space for myself or I, or I yeah. get like really really scared of what I was feeling and not know it because I was focused on the external world and my job, my relationship, yeah. my friends, and not, not understand that I had to hold this space for myself yeah. and, and how to do that. Yeah, because I've done that where 
I've let go of something or I discover something that I was holding on to, a belief that, you know, oh, I didn't believe that I was ever going to experience this again. So I'm holding on to this experience so tightly because it was important to me. And when you actually release that, I remember quite clearly a couple of times where I was like, oh, well, I've let go of that. So I guess it doesn't matter. And then I'd fill it with something else. And then yep. just like yes, sort of exactly, exactly. put something else back in and go, oh, wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I What I needed to have done in that moment was go, is to honor that, letting go of that. Yep. Instead of yep. like, oh, well, it doesn't matter, I guess, if I'm never going to, you know, it's like, and, oh. And that's right, why we need to learn you know? patience. We cannot be yeah. impatient with the process. Yeah. Because you can so easily fill those things. And I also wanted to say that if anyone is taking medication or you're on for asthma or anxiety or anything, because those are the two things that we talked about today, we're not saying at all in any way, shape, or form that you should stop doing that. We are just simply sharing our experiences for us and how we have dealt with it physically and emotionally. And, you know, this is just another perspective. It isn't medical advice or anything you need yeah, to exactly. you need yeah. to figure yeah. whoever is listening to the podcast you need to figure out what to do that is best for you mm-hmm. yep so that, that's because just wanted to say yeah that. because physical realities are are different for everybody uh chemical imbalances are chemical imbalances there's nothing wrong with being uh on medication for, for anything for anything yeah you know it's it's just the reality that you know a person is in it is, you know, everyone's journey is individual and specific to their own needs. And that is, you know, I've, I've even been on antidepressants myself back when I was younger, working overnights and not being able to get my my circadian rhythm, my sleep schedule back on, mm-hmm. on schedule. And I just, I couldn't sleep for a month and I got really depressed when I was like 18, 19. And I asked my doctor for, um, you know, a, a really, you know, basic antidepressant. It was it was Paxil. I took it for about eight months and then got off of it. And it was just, I mean, it was what I needed at the time because my system was so messed up from suddenly working overnights when I'd never done that before. And, and I did that for like three, yeah. four months and it, and it wrecked me. It absolutely wrecked me. And gave me a whole new appreciation for uh, needing antidepressants or having a supplement in my life that actually supported my body to be balanced. When we're doing right. stuff like shift work or really intense emotional work, uh, having worked in a youth home mm-hmm. myself, um, you know, it's really, really stressful, really, really intense. And I had a lot of great support and a lot of great friends. And I was eating healthy, even though my sleep schedule was absolutely messed up. It, you know, a lot of the people that I was working with at the time were also on antidepressants because of how emotionally intense it was. And how they they themselves had, you know, trouble sleeping because of all of the intense uh, emotional work that we'd have to do in, in the youth home. And, you know, it was great to have real adult conversations with uh, professional uh, youth care workers who, who love their jobs and were, were working at figuring out how to support themselves so that they could continue loving their jobs. And, yeah, I mean, you know, mental health is super, super important. And this is one of the things that looking at oneself and uh, motivation and emotional programming and mm-hmm. habits and patterns can trigger in people is what's called the dark night of the soul when we actually wake up to a brand new reality when we realize what we've been doing to ourselves emotionally emotionally mentally because well you know we didn't know and we weren't aware of the pattern and we we didn't you know you didn't have the space to actually look at the pattern see the pattern and understand what you're doing or what kind of life you're actually creating and, and the kind of stress that you're actually creating for yourself and most often in the dark night of the soul, there is a very deep depression that occurs because we have to feel how we've restricted ourselves, how we've restricted our ability to feel, um, and how we've restricted ourselves from feeling what we really are feeling in our hearts. And this is normal. Depression is actually a normal progression through information and actual emotional maturity and emotional evolution into a more mature and more aware space. And 
sometimes it can be really, really intense. This is where, you know, understanding what our mind is doing, what our emotional defense mechanisms are doing and why and the impact and understanding that depression is actually a normal space of healing and that we should be aware of all the things, the, the medical aspects, you know, uh, if you're seeing a therapist, if you're seeing a, a medical doctor for um, meds, great, awesome, whatever support you need exactly to yeah. move through something, do it. Yeah. Whatever you feel you need to support yourself, to be healthy, to take care of yourself and love yourself, do it. Do not take anyone else's uh, advice on this unless they are, they are a professional <laughs> and what you need to do to heal and to support yourself. Get every piece of information you can, research the heck out of everything and uh, find the support that you need. And you know if that's if that's medication for depression or anxiety, you know then you know good for you rock on like it's it's whatever it is that works for you yeah there's a there's a lot of steps to healing oh yeah that are physical emotional yep. it's a whole gamut a whole gamut a of whole things. gamut so whatever you feel you need to do for yourself explore those options yep and 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 help yourself get well you know I know it might be as simple as going for a long drive and listen to loud music yeah, that's something I do an awful lot, but yeah, the the, yeah. the healing is not a is never about you know one magic silver bullet. It's never about a, a one shot uh, fixing everything or one book holding all the answers. It or is, one person or one holding person. all the answers yeah. for, for you. And and no no person outside of you ever has the answers that you actually need. And if you don't know. Since we'll bring it back to Since not knowing, know. if you don't know what to do for yourself, ask yourself those really important questions about you know your health, yep. what you might need to do, yep. and start off somewhere. Start off somewhere by going to see a doctor, or if it's a physical, more physical yep. problem that you have, you know, go see a physiotherapist or yep. a massage therapist. Go yep. make you can make one decision. You it's not necessarily maybe the right decision. Or, or the, well, it's not really or a wrong the, or decision. Or the decision that, but, that, that's going to, yeah. But it'll, it'll, making a decision about what to do for yourself is the first step to actually helping yourself. And un, under, Even if you don't know what to do. And, and being okay with not knowing what's going to work. Yeah. You, you, you got to go. I went and, through you, that with all my hernia things too. Yeah, right. I was like, I first I yeah. didn't know what it was. And then finding out what it is, and then it's like, oh, well, what can yep. I do about it? Who yep. do, yeah. yeah, exactly. I know, So right? it's a process. It's a process. So and be gentle with yeah, yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Uh, you know, take it step by step. I mean, especially when you are experiencing depression and dark night of the soul, when you realize, like for me, it was uh, getting divorced was a huge dark night of the soul for me, realizing what I'd done to myself, being in a relationship for 11 years with someone that I, I just didn't fit with, but I was trying to make it fit because I wanted to be accepted by my family. And, you know, understanding that now, it's like looking back, I go, oh yeah, that was, that was, it was harsh. It was absolutely harsh coming to that realization. And I, you know, my body physically uh, purged for like almost two months straight to actually get out all of the tension in my system <laughs> it was just like okay time to throw up but you know and that was part of my healing process and that is like yeah. something can be that literal where your body suddenly has space and you know it, it can your body can take that literal physical route of purging mm -hmm. to help you clean out tension and toxins in your system yeah, and, and again everyone's different everyone's so different yeah i'm just using it, that as an example when you go through something Never think that you're weird or yep. you're not normal, quote unquote, because everyone experiences oh, yeah. yep. this kind of thing. When you start waking up to what you had believed and changing the things that you believe, everyone goes through this differently. Exactly. So never Every, think everyone's that journey is different. Someone has an answer. Some people might have some answers that you can explore. But nobody has all of the answers for you. Yeah, every, everything outside you of you. You do have is, those answers inside yourself. Yeah, you every, everything to. is everything outside of you is information. And what's important is going inside and listening to yourself to know your why. 
to know beyond the confusion, beyond the, the stress of having to look at a new new life, new space, new new reality, emotionally, mentally, uh, physically. It's important to look inside and understand your why and to have that as your singular motivation because no one outside of you ha actually has any of your answers. And they can have good information and people will be able to explain certain concepts really, really well. But explaining concepts is not an answer. Being able to talk about uh, the ego or spiritual concepts or emotional concepts is just talking about those concepts, not having any answers. And it's one of the reasons why we do, the, do these podcasts is to share our personal points of reference and our personal sort of experiences of how we know things, how we under, have understood things, and how we've grown through our own experiences so that other people can have their own points of reference and their own experiences reflected back at them to, you know, um, hopefully trigger an understanding, a deeper understanding of beyond any confusion that you might have so that you can feel something inside of you that says, oh yeah, this is my why. And now I know. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Door. We enjoyed our discussion and hope you did too. Until next time, we are Kelly and Kelly.